Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast presented by Big O Tires. It's Friday, January 31st. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We have a lot of ground to cover on today's show, two days before Super Bowl 54. First, you'll hear from the most prominent voices in Chiefs history, the broadcasters. Play-by-play man Mitch Holtis shares with me how he came up with the idea for the call of the conclusion of the AFC Championship game. Hint, it wasn't drawn up that day. After Mitch, you'll hear from Kevin Harlan, who called the game for Westwood One's national broadcast. Harlan is a Kansas Cityan and former Chiefs broadcaster who plays it straight when he calls games, but deep inside felt a sense of joy for the organization and the Hunt family last week. Holtis and Harlan are in Miami to call Sunday's Chiefs game against the San Francisco 49ers. You'll also hear from Tom Hedrick, a broadcaster for more than six decades who called Chiefs games from 1964 until 1970, and that included three national radio broadcasts of the Super Bowls, including the Chiefs' appearances in Super Bowls one and four. He's the only person alive who was in the booth for the first Super Bowl game between the Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. After a break, you'll hear from Chiefs coach Andy Reid. Thursday marked Reid's final comments in a press setting before Sunday's game, and we thought you'd like to hear them. Finally, we conclude today's show with a couple of thoughts from former Super Bowl MVP Kurt Warner on Patrick Mahomes and former San Francisco 49ers coach Steve Mariucci on Chiefs coach Andy Reid, who Mariucci says is a sentimental favorite in Super Bowl 54. But first, here are the voices of the Chiefs, and let's start with Holtis' call on the final play of the AFC Championship game. Austin Ryder snaps to Mahomes, and a knee. He goes to a knee and a backflip by Demarcus Robinson. That is going to do it. 50 years of waiting. 50 years. And the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. 18 seconds. They will count it down here at Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs' kingdom hoping, hoping, hoping their dreams have come true. Hail! Hail to the king of the Chiefs' kingdom forever. Because today... The team that Lamar Hunt founded has just won Lamar Hunt's trophy in the stadium that was Lamar Hunt's dream. Kansas City is the AFC champion. They are headed to Miami for Super Bowl 54. Final score, Kansas City 35, Tennessee 24. I, I prepared what I wanted to say if it happened because it's the, you know, the team that Lamar Hunt founded has just won Lamar Hunt's trophy in the stadium that was Lamar Hunt's dream. Because that, in my mind, I'm thinking, and prayerfully thinking, you gotta get 50 years in four sentences, okay? So, to win that championship is great for any team in the league, in either conference. But to win that championship with that name of that trophy in that stadium, only the Chiefs and the Bears can do it. And the Bears did it twice. And the Chiefs had never done it. But there was also a moment that I was thinking that drills way deeper than that. Because Lamar Hunt redefined Kansas City. They had yes. A's, 
1955, so this so-called Cowtown had only one of 16 Major League Baseball franchises, but they were awful. They were never good, ever. They never challenged in 55 to 67. And so, that yeah, they had a team, but it was a joke. And if they had a good player, Roger Maris, Cleet Boyer, they'd go right to the Yankees. Okay. Lamar changed all that. Could have chosen New Orleans, could have chosen Miami. Instead, he comes to Kansas City. And to me, it was the first redefinition of a city and a region because they won. And they were winners. They were not terrible. And they win the 66 AFL title. They win the 69 AFL title. But they never did it in Kansas City. So this moment was the drill down as far as that. But then it comes back to the surface and at the present time doing something that had never been done. And my mind was in a, honestly, where it was weird because it was like time was moving at warp speed. But then there were times that the clock stopped. And one of the personal moments for me was we picked up Nance's, uh, so I'm in the booth, I wanna go down on the field and hug everybody I can find. But I have to monitor this post game in the booth and we picked up Nance's audio, so I had a chance just to shut up. And when I did, it was my chance to just scan and think and think about playing like I was Lenny Dawson at eight years old on the farm. I watched the first half of the NBC game at three o'clock, which was the AFL window. And then I would go outside and I knew on the farm where San Diego was and where Oakland was and where Kansas City was. I even had a place on the farm that looked like Municipal Stadium to me. So that's all those thoughts. I'm a, I was a weird kid. I'm still a weird person. But I got to tell you, in a matter of minutes, it was like all of that came into focus. Fourth and six for Tennessee. The ball is at their 35. Orchestrating is Tannehill with a running back to his right and four wide. Shotgun snap, dropping back, looking right, no, looking left, no. Now he's from behind, hit, he breaks free, he staggers down, losing his balance. Down he goes at the 18. That's it. That's it. The Chiefs will take over on downs. I got to pick what game I did. Um, I don't uh, know if I told you that. But I, I, got, I got to pick either Green Bay San Francisco or this, and um, I had just done Green Bay up in Lambeau the week before when they beat Seattle. So I had had, I had done the Packers, and um, and I I kind of my wife and I had talked, and we kind of operate as a team, and and you know I mean we had all of our kids when I was doing the Chiefs, and so I mean there's a there's a significant significant tie with the franchise and our family, um, so. She and I kind of decided if the Chiefs got to the AFC Championship game, that that would be the game that we would pick to do. And sure enough, they did. So that's why I was an arrowhead for that game. And and um, uh, number one, the best thing was seeing all the familiar faces in the press box, which was just wonderful. And you know, talking to people that I've known for years and all that. And then, uh, and then number two, you know, the action I've done games, uh, you know, radio games from there before, uh, for Westwood one. And, um, and then most of our TV, you know, is a couple floors lower. So we never get up to the press. When we do CBS TV, we never get upstairs. Um, cause we're kind of there and we do the game and then we leave, but I, I don't see anybody. So that was, that part was fun. So at the end, when they won, 
I, I looked in particular out in the stands and that's where I thought, you know, I would really, it would really be a flood of emotion. And it kind of was to be quite honest to see all the people so happy and hugging people that were sitting next to them. And I was thinking about all the long years they've had to go through with, with nothing like this ever before. And then getting so close last year, then having it ripped away at the end. And so how this must feel for them. And, um, but the thing that really touched me the most was when two things, when Clark held up his dad's trophy and when Norma kissed the trophy, I, I, I had a hard time with that. That was a, that was, that was terrific. I I thought, and, and I, and, and, and I guess I went back to when Mr. Hunt actually hired me to do the games back in the mid eighties, you know, that's, that's kind of where that, that whole feeling kind of came full circle, I guess, and then seeing finally, you know, with his name being hoisted by his son, that was that was that was terrific. Will I feel something when I put on the headset? I will. I'll feel the same thing that I felt when I put on the headset in Dallas when the Packers played. You know, that was the team I grew up with. That was I, my dad worked for them for thirty-seven years, and and so I grew up with the Packers. That was my team, and then my adopted team and my adopted hometown is now Kansas city. So, um, uh, I don't know what we would have done as a family. If the Packers had been there to play the chiefs, um, this makes it a lot easier, but, uh, professionally speaking, when the game starts and, and, um, uh, you know, I'm sure all of us feel the same Well, you grew up rooting for a team, but you want to be as impartial as you can, whether it's, you know, wherever, whoever you're, team was of your youth but but when when the game starts the only thing i'm hoping for is a great broadcast from our crew uh, and i'm just hopeful that i'll find the right words throughout the game to describe what's going on but my professional mode will definitely kick in and and i would like to think that anybody listening if they didn't know that that we were kansas Cityans, would would feel that i'm not favoring one team or the other that that I would stay as neutral and as professional as possible, and I feel like i've i've think i've i've I feel pretty good actually in my track record on that, whether I've done Packer games for c b s or Westwood one or chiefs games for c b s or Westwood one I don't think anybody could tell if I was favoring uh, uh either the Packers or the chiefs and i I'm, I'm proud that they can't tell, but they would think that I'm just a, a reporter and a fan of the game, and a great play is a great play, whether it's by uh, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, that I would have the same amount of emotion and passion with the call, uh, and it wouldn't matter which team it was. But this is a colorful crowd, a sellout crowd of over 80,000, perhaps 81 here at the Tulane Stadium in New Orleans on this, the celebration of the 50th year of professional football. As for what kind of a ball club we might expect from the gentleman that we're going to work with here this afternoon, we'll let's ask him. He is the radio voice of the Chiefs over the last six years. 
over KCMO in Kansas City. This is his third Super Bowl assignment, a fine young broadcaster, and a great pleasure for me to be sharing the assignment with him, Tom Hedrick. Tom, this ought to be some football game. Certainly ought to, and Bud Grant has said all week this will be a defensive-minded game. He said because of our defense in Kansas City, nobody's going to knock the other out of the ballpark. Field position football, Bud Grant said, will be vitally important. Obviously, this also will be a game of quarterbacks. And the Green Bay Packers won the first game against Kansas City 35-10. Star on third down was brilliant. He was able to throw for 250 yards, two scores going to Max McGee from Tulane for 138 yards altogether and seven catches. The next game also won for the Packers. They knocked off Oakland this time with a score of 33-14. And Star again was outstanding. Then last year, the upset. A 17-point underdog. The New York Jets game here led by Joe Willie Namath, and they got the job done. Let's go down and pick up. Before this ball game, huh? we've got some great pre-game festivities. And, of course, you probably can recognize the horn. There's none other like it. Mr. Al Hurt. I'll tell you how I got the job, which is funny. Yeah. They called me. I was teaching class at KU, and the phone rang. It was about 10.35, and uh, the engineer said, if Stick Evans wants to talk to you, and I knew who it was, he was with KCMO. Uh. So what I did was I, I just said to the class, let's go home. That's it. And I said, uh, what can I do you for? He said, uh, we'd like to talk to you about doing the Chiefs, but don't imagine you can make it today. I said, well, where do you want me? When do you want me? Today at 1230 <laughs> Union Station. So I go over there, and we sit down, and they said, now, we want you to do the Chiefs. We'll pay you $400 a game, $25 pregame, uh, $25 postgame. Can you do it for that? I said, well, let me tell you something, guys. I'm kind of like Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers has this little mechanism in his legs, and a guy comes from the outside linebacker and the cornerback to make a play, and that's all of a sudden he goes in the upper. I'm the same way. I have a little mechanism in my larynx. The more you pay me, the better I can sound. That sounds like I shook hands, and Blair, we never negotiated a contract. I mean, they just took care of it. I just shook hands. That was it. We go to Super Bowl one On a Monday, I'm in Stram's office. He picks up the phone and calls Bill McPhail, the president of CBS, and he said, I'm Hank. Oh, hi, Coach. How are you? Looking forward to seeing you and your team. Great. He said, I'm coming with my team, and I got a bright young announcer, Tommy Hedrick, and I want you to put him someplace in the broadcast. I don't care where, but I want him someplace. Well, that got me the color job with Jack Greaves, which I'd never done in my life. And so we go out to the L.A. Coliseum, and I'm sitting there for the game, and about an hour before I almost clutched, and Greaves looks at me, he said, look, you're worried about something. What are you worried about? I said, well, it's a long way from Baldwin, Kansas, to the L.A. Coliseum, the Super Bowl. He said, let me tell you something. <laughs> if you weren't good, you wouldn't be here. That's first thing. Secondly, you don't have to talk between every play. always thought that was pretty good advice. Then he said, you don't have to act like a player or a coach. I'm not going to, but quote them and keep a couple of stats. I kept third down percentages that day. Green Bay goes 9 for 13, Lenny went 3 for 12, and turnovers, 3 to 1, Green Bay against the Chiefs. So that was how I got the job. The other thing, Blair, I remember the first assignment I had to do is I had to get the interview with Vince Lombardi. Okay, so we go to the press conference on Saturdays, 2 o'clock press conference, 
And a guy named Don Weiss, wonderful man, says to Vince Lombardi, said, oh, by the way, coach, afterwards, I need you to do about a three or four minute interview with uh, Tommy Hedrick. He smiles with that smile and says, I don't want to do it. He says, coach, he's a good young guy. <clears throat> he hit it again. He said, and if he doesn't, I said, it's part of the contract. So I sat through that whole press conference with fear and intrepidation. I said, okay, just attack it. And I went right to him. I says, Coach Lombardi, I'm Tom Headforth of Chiefs. Bob Harlan's a good friend of mine. <clears throat> he tells me you're a great man. I said, I know you're a great football coach. I would really appreciate three or four minutes of your time. Looked him right in the eye. He gave me three or four minutes. But in that last question, I asked him something about Hornig. He answered it, and I said, I'm getting the heck out of here. So, yeah, it was a little intimidating. If your steering wheel has more traction than your actual tires, that's a big O-no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O-no's, there's always a big O-yes. Now through February 2nd, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for pricing. Eligibility may vary. Not valid with other offers. At participating locations, no cash value. The city of Kansas City is um, on fire right now with excitement. And, uh, and then we appreciate all the support we've had down here from our, from our fans. And likewise, the way you guys have handled yourselves as the media, we appreciate that the support there so um we'll, we'll finish up today with a good practice and, and then tomorrow um with another good one tidy up the red zone a little bit tomorrow and then uh, we'll be ready for uh, uh ready for our mock game and then ready for sunday so anyways with that time yours coach back left here uh, you got a general sense of the support for you personally. There's been a lot written. Your players have talked a lot about this, about with your longevity in the league, the number of the amount of success you've had in the regular season to win one for Andy. Yeah, no, listen, I'm humbled by it. Um, I, I'm very humbled by it. I mean, I've got great guys here, um, friends, likewise, around the league, been doing a long time, so I appreciate that. But this game's not. This is about this team. And, um, and and so uh, the guys that have worked so hard to get where they're at right now, the players, the coaches, it's about the organization. And um, you'd love to say it's a one man. That's not what this is. It's a team. It's a team effort even getting to this position. So it's not about one person at all. Um, and And right now my complete focus is on making sure that we as coaches do a good job, and as players do a good job um, in this in the Super Bowl. Hi, Andy. How you doing? So speaking of team, we saw you week 11, and the defense was still working to come together. Can you give us some perspective on the challenges of completely revamping a defense from coordinator to coaches to new players and kind of what that takes and how you stay the course? Yeah. yeah so... Um, you know, I'm, in Bob Sutton's own way, he has a piece of this too. So he, he, uh, he those coaches built a nice foundation for us. Um, and then Spags came in with, uh, with this new coaching staff that we have on the defensive side and, um, and really upped it, um, along with Brett Veach bringing in 
a handful of new players uh, that, that really fit into what Spags is get, trying to get done there. Um, the, the guys have bought into what Steve has asked them uh, to do, and uh, and they've done it even during the tough times. So they, they stuck together knowing that, listen, if we just stay with the process, that down the road we'll be better. And, um, and, and they saw, they saw small increments, I mean, tiny increments early of improvement, and then it kind of took off. So uh, where they're playing good football right now. Coach, how you doing? Um, gotcha. you, you've been an advocate of Eric being a, being a head coach, and you cer certainly said he's ready. Why do you think teams, so many teams have passed on, on him the past two years? And uh, how different his role from Doug and Matt before him? Um, his role is the same as what Doug and Matt had. Um, so he's a, he's a coordinator. He runs the meetings and uh, does does all the stuff that coordinators do uh, with game plans and so on. So he, uh, um, and then he's the one that signals, calls the plays into the court. He's in communication with the quarterbacks. He's in every quarterback meeting. All that, all the stuff that the other guys did, he did. So um, the. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, every owner um, has the option of hiring who they want to hire and who they think will be best fit for their organization. Um, I'm very partial to Eric because I know how good he is. I'm with him every day. Um, I appreciate him more every day. I had him as a player and now as a coach. And, uh, and so I've watched him grow in the profession. And um, he... He's somebody that an owner would never have to worry about. Um, you can just turn it over to him and let him let him go. Just let him be Eric Bieniemy, and uh, he'll lead your football team uh, into greatness. So, good morning, coach. Good morning. Uh, my name is Richard Farago from Sport TV Hungary. Uh, since last year's AFC Championship game, you have uh, a slow start on three consecutive playoff games, trailing by 14, 24, and 10 points. What could be the reason, and how do you try to solve this problem on Sunday? Yeah, so um, it's hard on the heart. You don't want too many of those. So I'm working on that. Uh, so that we, we, that's not the position we want to be in. Uh, but if we're there, then uh, we, we know how to take care of it. And, and work through it. I've got good guys that stick together, good locker room, good coaches. So they'll stick together and, and fix those problems if they arise. So, but that's not our objective. We're not we're not giving points away. That's not what we're we're trying to do. Andy, uh, like many coaches, you've had to make sacrifices when it comes to your family. Has it gotten any easier in Kansas City? Now that there aren't maybe as many time constraints as you shift from dad mode into gramps mode. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got these nine grandkids. Uh, um, it was worth all the headaches of the, the other ones, you know, getting them where they're at. But um, they're, the, those nine grandkids are awesome. So they keep you young um, and at the same time make you feel old. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like sweet and sour pork. Where I'm coach, Where right, right, right. coach oh. uh, I know you're talking about putting the defense together, and, and one of the guys that really came along midseason was Mike Pennell. Uh, it's not a name that everyone's really talking about, yep. but he really worked inside. Did you 
had the kind of idea that he would make the impact that he's made on the inside when you guys, and what were the discussions like when you brought him in in season? Yeah, so, so he's another Kansas City kid. We got a couple Kansas City kids, and he's one of them. Um, he uh, went to a smaller college, had an opportunity to get in the National Football League. We were able to pick him up, and um, and he brings great energy. He's got great personality, and uh, and then he's a big guy, like really big. And so uh, to be able to plug him in there in the middle has been a real plus for us. Um, helps us in the run game. Uh, and his attitude is top-notch. I really, I, I like the kid as a, as a human being and, and also what he does on the field. Hey, coach, your last stop before reaching the NFL was at Missouri as the O-line coach. I was wondering if you could reflect on your time there and what you took from Columbia into the league with you. Yeah, no, I love my time in, in Columbia. Um, the University of Missouri, I hold close to my heart, man. That's a great place. Uh, they, uh, you know, we weren't as good as we wanted to be, but we were on the rise uh, when I was there and uh, had a chance to play Eric Bieniemy and that Colorado team, and they cheated. <laughs> uh, so it took them five downs to beat us. Yeah, so I remind them of that often. But, um, what a what a great opportunity though was uh, working for Bob Stoll there, and. Um, and getting to know the people of Columbia. It was a great place, great stop. Hey, Andy. Uh, I remember three years ago you told us, look, Alex is our, is our guy, but wait until you see this kid. So from three years ago to, to now, just how have, you were in love with him then. How has Patrick just kind of evolved and continued to just uh, to grow? Yeah, and you've been right there. I mean, you've done a lot of our games, so you know that. that um, He's a he's a great kid, first of all. So you're getting a guy, a kid that grew up in a locker room. So he's got a feel for that. He um, understands the the leadership role that he's been been asked to or put in by position, and uh, how important that is. And he's got the innate ability to uh, to lead. So. Um, you just you give him a little guideline on that, and he takes it and goes. I, I'm not sure he doesn't have a photographic memory because he can. He, you give it something to him one time, and and I don't know how to measure that, but uh, you give him some one time, and he takes it and runs with it, and he doesn't forget. He uh, he he. We throw a lot of verbiage at him for these plays that we run uh, every week, and he's able to make the other ones evaporate and put the new ones in and. And uh, uh, you know, without any flaw, so it's um, he, he's he's special that way. And then he, he he's got great vision on the field, so he can see, and uh, and which becomes important for quarterbacks, and uh, in particular the way he does things. So he's, he he utilizes all his receivers, and uh, and I always tell the guys, I said. There's not a, there's never a dead route. We don't. There's no clearing routes or this. Everybody's alive because of his vision. He, he he'll see you and shoot you, and you you better be ready. So but I like the way he goes about his business, and, and he he still has plenty of room to grow, which is exciting. Hi, coach. Uh, seeing the last year's game against the 49ers, uh, week three. If you if you go back, you see that they were very tough. 
and they were very. Uh, I mean, the the the, the final uh, result was 37-24, but uh, if you see the game, it was very close until the injury of Garoppolo. Is uh, that make you so nervous, or do you think it's going to be a hard? Yeah, no. Listen, I I respect the heck out of them. Um, I think Jimmy. They they decided they've been running the ball here, but Jimmy, if you really look at his quarterback ratings, his percentages, um, all the statistical uh, facts about him, you see that he's he's a heck of a quarterback throwing the football. So um, you've got to when you come in to play the 49ers, you better be ready to play a complete game uh, in the run and pass game, and you better be ready to do it for four quarters and. Uh, Um, so that that's uh, that's how we're preparing, and um, but uh, you know I, we love the challenge. So it's not about being nervous; it's about loving the opportunity to play against a great team in a great setting, and that that's why we do this. So that's the exciting part of it. Good morning, Coach. Hi. Um, with Pat having won MVP last season, and it's expected on Saturday that Lamar Jackson will win it. Do you get the sense that there is a generational shift at the position with two really young guys having won? And is there anything notable about if Lamar wins, it'll be back-to-back black quarterbacks? Yeah, so I, first of all, I think it's great for the NFL with the young quarterbacks in the league. Um, I mean, I think it's you got those old guys that are they're still kicking, man. They're doing a, doing a heck of a job in their 40s there, so uh, which hasn't happened very often. Now you bring this influx of young quarterbacks, and they're all different, right? They're all different, and so um, I, I think it's great. I think it even goes back further than that, though. I think if you go back to the college game right now, it's so exciting. They're they're spreading the field out. These guys are throwing the football when they come in. Uh, to the National Football League, and you probably backed it up another step. They're doing that in, at the college, le- at the high school level. So, um, football's in a good place for throwing the ball. And color aside, right? Color aside is, yeah, I think, is just great. I think it's great to, for the game, and uh, um, it, it's exciting. So, um, I, the, the league is in in good hands here. With these guys, and they're good guys too. I mean, they're good people, and uh, that's that's excellent for this game. Hey, coach, I'd like to ask you about um, the process that went into discovering Duvernay Tardif coming out of McGill in 2014, and where his story and his um, intelligence ranks in the players you've coached over the years. Yeah, Larry Tardif. Yeah. yeah. So um, we were able to evaluate him in the All-Star games and then some of the tape that he had from McGill. Um, Larry obviously is French-Canadian, um, English being his second language, and he still doesn't have all the words down. And so he'll ask us questions, you know, and, uh, and it, it makes everybody laugh. But I tell the guys, don't laugh too hard because he might be doing surgery on you one day. So he, uh, he, he might have the last laugh. Um, He's a he's a talented talented human being, very intelligent. Uh, loves to play the game, big, strong. Uh, we're fortunate to have him uh, with us. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. 
Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. The Super Bowl attracts celebrities, big personalities, and former players. Our Pete Gradhoff caught up with former Rams quarterback Kurt Warner, a two-time NFL MVP, on his thoughts about Patrick Mahomes. And later, former 49ers coach Steve Mariucci about how Andy Reid is a sentimental favorite in this Super Bowl. You know, we knew we had the freaky athletic ability. I knew last year just his consistency and efficiency, like inside the pocket, that he had a, that great combination. But the more I watch him, the more I see his creativity within a play. You know, and I kind of break it down like you guys have all seen it. You know, we do the X's and O's and we draw a play up on a board. And your coach goes, like, this is what we think we're going to give. And this is how this play, this is how we hope this play works out. And then we know there's 11 guys all over and people running and all this. And some people have the ability to take that play and go, okay, I get that. But I can see, well, it could happen here, or it could happen there, if I just do this, or if that guy does that. And they start to get creative within a play and make different kinds of throws and see things differently than other guys. And that's what, to me, has really impressed me about Patrick and what makes me say, if you have the other two components and then you add that component to it, could he possibly have that best package ever? You know, and... You know, what, what does that mean at the end of the day? I don't really know. I mean, you can be the talented and the best package, whatever. It's still about success and winning and consistency and all that stuff. But when you put that all together, it excites you about what we might be seeing here based on what we've seen these first two years. I did a radio show the other day, and it's in, it was in the Bay Area. And they said, you know, the only people that are rooting for the Niners are the 49er faithful. The rest of the country is rooting for Andy Reid. And I said, you know what, that might be true. And and why is that? Why is that? It's not America's team. It's not, I mean, it's, it's because of Andy Reid and how he... He's been here 21 years and he's had a lot of success and he does it the right way. And he's a loyal coach to a lot of players. He's given a lot of people chances that other coaches wouldn't have. He's, he's helped grow coaches into head coaches. Um, and, and so, um, and he keeps climbing, the, very quietly climbing the ladder with wins in a career. He's sixth now, he, two more years, he's gonna jump over Curly Lambeau. And Curly has a stadium named after him. And so um, he's, uh, he's a dear friend and I have a biased opinion, but he's a great coach and a great human being. That'll do it for another edition of Sports BKC presented by Big O Tires. Thanks for listening. Please leave a comment where you can do that. It helps, plus a share and a like. Thanks to Derek Donovan for producing today's episode and to Pete Gradhoff for tracking down the Kurt Warner and Steve Mariucci interviews. I have a feeling we'll be back with another Sports Beat KC before the Super Bowl, so stay tuned this week for more of the best Chiefs Super Bowl coverage.